A fault is a weakness, a defect, a fracture. Faults divide, tear, and consume. Here in the city of Chester's chasm, we struggle to maintain that precarious balance over the precipice in the earth, in our lives, and in our hearts. This story is about four teenagers with faults of their own. The fault between my faith and freedom. The fault between my family and identity. The fault between my choice and my obligation. The fault between my life and death. As these fractures grow, we stand at the edge and ask what must we sacrifice to sate the void's endless hunger? Is it possible that the answer lies within all our faults? Greetings, and welcome to All Our Faults, a Monster Hearts 2 actual play podcast. I am Mistress Winter, and I will be your MC for this series. This is the first episode in a prelude series that we are calling Faulty Flashpoints. Here within, we will get our initial look into the lives of our protagonists, as well as some insight into how they became who they are when our story begins in earnest. At the end of the episode, I have a few shout-outs and thank-yous, as well as information on how you might support the show if you feel so inclined. Content warnings for this episode include a vehicle collision with a fatal bodily injury. The time codes for that will be in the episode description. And now, on with the show. Faulty Flashpoint a deal with death. Michael and Bert. We are edging toward the end of summer. Heavy rains and downpours have washed the city clean of the dust and grime, but is now threatening to flood certain areas, especially as it cascades down from the surrounding national parks and into the basin and Cascadian fault. Bert, what have you been doing this summer? This summer, I have been delivering pizzas for Greasy Gary, doing that around town, and then trying to keep up my sort of like paranormal investigative services. It hasn't gone super well because like during the school year, I think it was going well because there was always someone to talk to, gossip to follow up on things like that. But over the summer, you know, people are, you know, not really worried about such things, going on vacation, stuff like that. So it's, it's kind of hard for me to find points of contact or like new leads. So I think I follow, if I hear weird stuff while I'm out delivering pizzas, I'll kind of investigate. But for the most part, just either delivering pizzas or at home playing video games. Very cool. Since you've been here for about a year or more, You've explored many of the major paranormal sites at least twice, including Windermere Manor, former home to Captain Jameson Windermere, and his adoring wife, Edina. You've gotten a few interesting recordings, strange noises. You felt the crawl up your spine of the feeling that somebody was brushing past you 
when you were completely alone. But nothing big has shown itself. Maybe leaving you a little bit disappointed. Yeah. Michael, what have you been doing this summer post-transformation? I've been distant. I haven't seen him in a while. And I've changed. Ultimately, what I've been doing is sneaking out at night and going to a club. And probably doing things I ought not to be doing. And having a good time sometimes? That's that's what I've been doing most of the time. But uh, other than that, I've really just been trying to figure things out and figure out how to be me now. Isn't doing bad things what got you into this particular trouble? <laughs> it might be. Yeah, but this is a new flavor. Your sire is terse any time that you speak and has provided little assistance when it comes to easing you through this transition and helping you to understand how this all works. Kind of a toss the bird out of the nest to see how it flies kind of thing. Maybe, but I'll figure it out. He expects you to, or else you are not worthy of the gift you have been given. And I do know the consequences of failing. You have the bodily harm to show it for what measure of bodily harm can become a vampire. Who reaches out to who first? I think Bert would reach out to Michael just because he's like bored and kind of wants to see what, what kind of that feeling was over the school year. They were friends, maybe leading to something more. I don't, I don't know. So since pizza's not really doing it and, you know, like we just said, I've been to all the hot spots around town and really haven't found anything worth pursuing too much. Maybe, maybe I'll try to hit up Michael and see what sparks are happening that way. Do you like text, call? I think I'll text. Just LOL. The summer's been crazy, right? It's like the goofy emoji. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah, it, it has. How have things been going with you? You kind of disappeared after the end of the year celebration. The summer's been a lot. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. You know, it's just going through the motions. Not, not too much is happening. So I thought, hey, what's, what's my old pal Mike up to? It's been wild. What are you up to tonight? Not much, unless I get a, you know, a tip about something supernatural going on. That's kind of been my focus, but a, a nice chill night in seems seems like a good time to me. For the first time in a while, Michael will smirk to himself at that one. And uh, he'll text back, uh, well, I'm up for anything. Oh, uh, okay, cool. Yeah, um, let me get my bike and I'll start heading your way. Okay. Actually, this is a good time to ask. Where do you live, Michael? My family probably has a house in some sort of development, some sort of like shitty cookie cutter development with like really nice houses. Each of them is all the same. They all have too many gables. You know, like those stupid cookie cutter houses that are too expensive. Welcome to suburbia. Yes, yes. <laughs> On like a hill somewhere. It probably has some stupid fancy name that has no bearing for the like local geography. Like Hillside, but it's the Pacific Northwest, so who cares? Or like Ridgecrest, you know, something like that. Sky view. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but of course, the view of the sky is obliterated by the mountains. Very good. How about you, Bert? Where do you live? I'm thinking somewhere 
kind of suburbia as well. Just it has like a straight direct line to downtown because dad works at the you know place downtown, pharmaceutical rep. So I think he would just like a nice straight commute. And so yeah, also something like Skyview or Ridgevale or something like that. I don't know. Ridgevale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So we have Skyview and Ridge Ridgevale. I love it. I would say that Skyview is probably a little more moneyed and the HOA there is just militant about how the houses look, the lawn decorations, and a tree has to be tree-shaped, whatever that means. Whereas in Ridgevale, it's dipping toward the poverty line uh, that's why it's closer to South Chester, or as the people who reside and work there call it, the mall. That's M-A-W, not M-A-L-L. <laughs> okay, yeah, I think that that's perfect, because, you know, we moved quick, moved fast, had to find a spot. Yeah, so it's riding the poverty line, and the, the locals give it that fun name because it tends to chew you up and spit you out. And it does look like it's been mauled because the storefronts, the buildings, some of them are abandoned, ready to be demolished. Just the economic level of that area is apparent everywhere you look. So you jump on your bike and speed through the drizzling rain up to Skyview. You arrive at one of the many similar houses that you're only able to tell is Michael's because Michael has something in the window. What is the thing in the window that designates it as your room? He probably has a lamp that's in the shape of the full moon that hangs in the like upper half. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, nice. I like that. So you pass by and you see the moon glowing between the curtains, indicating that Michael is home. So I think I go past it a little bit, and then I was like, oh, there's the moon, and I like have to like turn around real fast and quickly. <laughs> and it's like raining, so I've got my jacket over my, I'm like, Ugh. and then I just like run to the door and knock on it and hope Michael let me in because it's cold. And I feel weird being here. Like I'm not, I'm from out of town, um, only been here a year, and you know, coming from the mall, I don't really... I don't know these people up here and like I don't, I'm not sure where Michael and I are so there's just like a lot of nervous just kind of feelings just feeling out of place physically and also just like relationally with Michael like it just came out of nowhere that he answered because I think I had texted him a couple times over the summer and he had kind of quote-unquote ghosted me so I'm kind of just a little confused what's going on and so yeah I'm just kind of nervously shifting my weight knocking on the door straightening up my jacket because it kind of got crumpled. No. Michael, your parents are typically out of the house. They are in high-powered professions, which demands their attention more often than not, leaving you and your sibling alone at home. Your brother Gideon answers the door, and if I'm going off your particular looks, this young boy who answers the door and peers out at Bert, shaggy blonde hair, the bluest eyes you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Very cherubic. 
<laughs> you can just tell when he grows up, he's going to be a heartbreaker. Yes. Hey, hey, how's it going? I'm Bert. I've been here a couple times before. I don't know if you remember me. You're Gideon, right? I'm here to hang out with your brother, Michael. Michael! I'll be right there. He's coming. Do you want to, like, come in and sit or something? Yeah, yeah, that would be, be, it would be awesome. Thanks. Oh, I got some new, like, Beyblades. You play blade, with Beyblades? I, I haven't in a minute, but I'd love to see them. They're, they're always super cool. Well, you got to come see my collection. Like, I've got the best collection in town. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's fine, Gideon. Go away. I'm, we're going to head out, okay? Eat but dinner and go to bed. Dinner? Yeah, Mom, microwave Mom something in the fridge. Get dinner. I, I don't. Fine. I'll be back later, okay? Just call me if you have any issues. Okay. All right. All right. Come on, let's go. Uh, uh, where do you want me to put my bike? I just It's just kind of like sitting in the, laying in the yard. It's fine. Just put it in the garage. We're going to take my car. Oh, awesome. So I roll the bike over to the, to the garage. And... The garage is in pristine organization. <laughs> the parents drive their... It's very expensive cars, so they don't normally keep them in the garage except when they're home. And they definitely do not do any auto body work or any kind of hard labor at all. So there's no tools, no... Yeah, nothing that would indicate that they want to actually use their hands to do anything. Uh, It's mostly storage for Christmas or holiday decorations and such. There's also a little corner where there's supplies for the gardeners but anyway you store your bike prop it up and head back out yeah head to the to the car yeah it's it's an old beater i probably inherited it from my father who just got a new car or something i just turned 16 and uh, yeah hop in oh okay cool uh where are we going i thought we were hanging out here yeah no i don't want to be here let's just like go out to the lighthouse or something just to get away it's been a while cool yeah and then I'll drive on out. Okay. As you get in the car, the light drizzle that had been persisting all day grows into a heavy downpour. You can hear the heavy drops splashing chaotically on the, the canopy of your car and the hood and windshield. But you start off toward the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. And I imagine lightning starts to go off. As we're driving? It is in the distance. Okay. You know that you do that whole, like, count the seconds between the flash mm-hmm. and the, the thunder? There's a, there's a solid 10 seconds between flashes and thunder, and it's, it's very distant. But it's coming. So you head out. We'll say that it's, it's pressing late into the evening, and the sun is setting, if not already at the horizon obscured by the heavy rain clouds. Everybody has rushed home to get out of the storm, but to those who are still on the road, well, they're a little bit rushed. The trip out to Cape Mead is about 30, 45 minutes, giving you plenty of time to talk, unless you stay silent the entire drive. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> no, I think Bert is just kind of like, is silent for a little bit, maybe like getting out of the neighborhood and like maybe onto the, you know, the main 
road and everything. And then he's like, so you said this summer's been crazy for you. What's What's been going on? Uh, it's just, I've been through a lot of changes, you know? And, and you might notice that Michael looks different. He's mm-hmm. almost preternaturally still. He's paler, certainly. And there's sort of just a different look about him. He, if, if you were attracted to him before, you're definitely more attracted to him now. And you can't quite place why. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think I, I think he, Bert, would notice that and just kind of like, again, the nervousness of like not we're sure where we are and then like expecting to meet someone and like kind of meeting someone different right now. Not, not sure who this is even. So he's just like, uh, changes. Okay, cool, man. Like that happens in life. I, I get that. Have you just been, have you met some new people? Like what's, I don't know. I, I've been kind of, since school ended, I haven't really hung out with anybody from school. I mean, you were kind of my my best friend. So I thought, I don't know, maybe we could do something together with your new friends or what's, so it's kind of the scene here. You might say I've met some new people and I've just been under a lot of pressure. I just, I don't know how to keep it up. There's just so much going on, and I'm expected to do so much. And I just don't know how to pull it all off sometimes, you know? Are you, like, in some kind of trouble? Like, the town, the city where I'm from, I ran into some shady people, and I had to do some things I wasn't proud of. So I I, I think I get where you're coming from. I didn't know that there was people like that out here. This is like a sleepy little town. Oh, they're everywhere. Okay, well... If you ever need any help or anything, I could try to help you out. (laughs) I don't think you can. Oh. I just have to figure it out on my own. But it does mean something that you offer. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, we were kind of the oddballs out at school, so we gotta stick together. If we don't have each other, who do we have, you know? Yeah. You know, I've had to do a lot of things I might not necessarily be so proud of, but... I don't exactly hate who I'm becoming, you know? It doesn't exactly feel bad. Okay. It kind of depends on what what sort of things you've been doing that you're not proud of. I kind of moved some goods and valuables around back in the city where I was, you know, used to live at for some extra money. People would find things and I would take those things to other people that wanted them and get paid for it. Yeah? Like what? You know, jewelry that was gotten maybe less than legally. And also I found a few weird, like occult artifacts here and there. So some people would like to pay, you know, you say that something is cursed and sometimes if you go to the right people, they'll pay way more than what it's actually worth. If they think there's some kind of added benefit or value to that trinket. Oh, that's interesting. I've never heard of that. Yeah. I didn't really want to, but ever since my mom was diagnosed. We had to find some way to pay for it. So I thought maybe I'd chip in and get money to help around the house or anything. Oh, right. I'm sorry about that. Thanks. It means a lot. It's, it's been a lot. So I definitely understand changes. Things are different now. Yeah. Yeah. Things are really different. Different between like us? But what, do you, what do you mean? Well, well, that's not... What, what do you mean? All last year, we were best friends, hanging out all the time and everything, and then you just disappeared. And, like, I texted you a couple times, and I hadn't heard anything, and then all of a sudden answered me today, which was super cool. But, I don't know, I don't I don't want to be, like, left behind while you're going through your 
whatever's I going on with you. Think I need to roll to keep my cool. Please do. Oh, first roll of the of the game. Uh, oh, I need to look at my stats. I don't think I did it. Seven. That is a partial success. Uh, so in that case, what are you most afraid of, Michael? I am afraid of, I think, confessing or giving away any of my secrets. I'm afraid of like letting it boil over, letting it out. The temptation is certainly tearing you into. In, in that one part, you don't want to be vulnerable and you like your secrets. But on the other hand, you probably haven't shared this with anybody. Mm -mm. And like the hunger that now churns at your insides, the need to share that also creates this, this yearning for connection. I just, <laughs> I met someone who promised me something unimaginably incredible. He promised me I could feel so special. I gave him everything of myself and it cost so much and I can't take it back and I don't know what to do. And sometimes it feels so good, but I have to do so many things you could not understand. And sometimes I don't understand. Or it kind of shifts because it's it's, it sounds like he's trying to like crush on Michael and Michael is telling him about like a crush he has. And so for it's like a little confused, but he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, man, like relationships sound like they're tough. I, I, I can be here to listen, but like, yeah, it sounds like you found somebody that I think. No, never like that. Okay. Well, if, like I said, if you need somebody to talk to, like I'm here, I think we're good. So... Bert, I'd like you to roll Keep Your Cool. Okay. That is 2d6 plus cold. Okay, I wrote down what my stats are. I hope so. <laughs> I did. <laughs> uh, so that is it. That's a two. <laughs> oh, okay. So you're losing your cool. You know, you're trying to, to put on a, a face of, oh, this, this totally isn't getting to me. I'm not fantasizing about Michael being with somebody else. How do you react? How does that mask slip and that vulnerability express itself? I think definitely physically, I kind of like turn away and kind of look out the window a little bit more, just kind of like put walls up because I'm like, hey, I'm here I am trying to be vulnerable. And like, even though Michael is sharing, it's not necessarily what I want to hear. So I'm like, uh, yeah, that's cool, man. Like, I don't, I don't know what you know what they are to you but like i feel like i was a friend to you this whole time freshman year and yeah it just it just seems kind of crazy that you would just like stop hanging out with me and hang out with this other person that's like kind of hurting you in some way but like you you do you it's cool that we're hanging out now but like i wish we could have like you know reconnected earlier than this but i hope you figure out what's going on with your your new your new peeps or whatever the rest of the ride is this awkward tension between you two as the, the last leg of the trip up to the lighthouse commences. You pass by these shoddy, poorly constructed buildings and shacks that are used to hawk 
various cheap goods and tourist fodder to the many people who visit the, the haunted lighthouse and finally pull into the parking lot. Very, very small parking lot just outside the lighthouse. By now, the lightning strikes are more frequent and the space between them and their booms is halved. The wind is beginning to pick up. I think to break kind of the tension, because like you said, that that ride was in silence. And I'm like, well, once we park, I'm going to like wait for a thunderclap. And then right, it's going to be like crazy fact. This uh, parking lot actually used to be where the caretaker of the lighthouse, where his house used to be. I, I investigated it like in this area for like spirits or whatever, you know, I do that on the side. So where did you find that out? You know, looking through old library texts and just kind of hearsay. I don't even know if it's like true or whatever. It's kind of something I came across. You know, I do like that about you, your curiosity. Oh, yeah. I mean, like you said, there's people everywhere and there's kind of like some of them have some interesting stories and kind of baggage with them. So turns out uh, I figured this out the hard way that not all of them have good intent. So it's not really like my mission or anything. I'm just just me, but maybe if I could intercept them before they get to the people I care about, maybe that'll help. It's just, it's whatever. And I think I'm going to like, try to like go to unlock the door and go to the lighthouse or, but I'm like doing it hesitantly because I'm not sure if we're like getting out or like what, what the deal is, but I'm just trying to like move things along. Did you want to go outside? It's raining. Yeah, no, I, I see that it's raining. I just didn't know if you like wanted to go to the lighthouse. I, uh, did you just want to just hang out here? I just thought we could hang out and talk. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. I just kind of like shift back. Did you have something you specifically wanted to talk about or? I mean, not, I guess specifically, I just wanted to get out of the house and it has been a while. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I get wanting to get out of the house. That's why I deliver pizzas and I tried to stay at those after school stuff as much as possible just because things are weird at the house for me too so why changes like you said with mom gone it's it's a lot and my sister's you know she stayed she's in college and then dad and i you know parents they're weird or whatever and he's taking this all weird he kind of just up and moved us to chester's chasm somewhere i've never even heard of before and he said he just wanted us to get a new start away from where we were so he's just working all the time taking work trips going to these different conferences Vitamax is an important company here and around the world so he's trying to move up the ladder i don't know what his end goal was he always wanted to like keep us as a family happy but we're not happy now and he's still pressing on to whatever happy whatever is that Right? No clue. <laughs> I can't even begin. I mean, I've never seen anyone happy, so... I don't know. I feel like our family, we had it for a little bit, and then it kind of kind of went away. But who knows? Maybe, maybe we can find it again somewhere. Anything is possible, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. There is a massive crack of thunder, and the wind begins to howl and even rock the car as it picks up to more forceful gales. In that moment, you might notice that Michael is staring at you. <laughs> it's getting kind of crazy out here weather-wise. You think we should head 
back? Sure. Yeah, if you want. I mean, I don't necessarily want, but I don't know. It just kind of... Yeah, we can. Do you want me to bring you home? Riding your bike in this is probably not the best idea. Yeah, that'd be cool. Do you still remember where we're at over, over in the mall? Yes, I know where you live. Okay. It's just been a minute. I don't know. I barely remembered where you were. I just, thanks to that little moon in your <laughs> window. And I'll reverse out and start peeling away. Maybe a little too fast. Maybe. The swarm of emotions may be overwhelming your darker side now. And whatever those emotions are completely up to you. But emotions, positive or negative, can impair our judgments. So you head down and... On the way, there's a bit of sketchy road. It's narrow, there's a guardrail, but it takes some caution and finesse to navigate safely. As you careen down the steep decline back into the city, there's a flash of lightning that lights the sky to near sunlight and directly in the middle of the road is a veiled figure direct in your path. Give me a runaway. Uh-oh. Yeah, runaway, uh, that is a volatile. Oh, I don't like that little laugh. <laughs> I love that. Um, my volatile's a minus one, and uh, without that, I rolled a four, so that's a total of three. <laughs> yes. Oh, no! Oh, no need no. to fudge this one. The strobe-like effect of the lightning its sudden brilliance and the appearance of this person directly in front of you has you jerk in reaction. And instead of veering left, which would have taken you further onto the road and allowed a more or less safe passage past the individual if you didn't clip them, instead you went right and hit the guardrail at such an angle that it just shears open. You, Bert, and the car sail off the embankment into the top of trees that are the only cushion between you and the bottom of the small valley. Uh-oh. <laughs> the branches snap and smack against the car as it near free falls through the canopy until the car comes to a violent jerking stop at their base. Bert, you are going to take some harm. Okay. Just simply from the blunt force trauma that you're going to experience in this crash. So effectively, you get something like two harm. Mm. Mm. The car creaks and whines as it settles on the ground. Bert, you come back to consciousness after blacking out very briefly. What do you do? Yeah, I just kind of like, uh, uh, Michael, what's going on? And I look over at Michael to make sure he's okay. Michael, you did not lose consciousness. However, you do have a tree limb sticking out of your chest pinning you against your seat, Washburn style. Mm. Mm. 
Firefly. It was too. It was too soon. <laughs> too soon. Too soon for Firefly. It's always too soon. <laughs> How dare too you? Soon for Firefly. <laughs> It'll be too soon in a hundred years, madam. <laughs> Uh, so I just want to reach over. And I'm like, Michael, hey, hey, come on. I don't know. I don't want to like remove the limb, but I'm just kind of like, I don't know what I'm trying to do. Like, just kind of confused and just like, uh, 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 how, how can I help? Uh, are you there? Like, uh, I didn't think I could die this fast. How are you talking? And you might notice fangs protruding at this point as he's like wincing in pain. I'm going to kind of like scoot away from you, noticing the fangs. I'm like, whoa, whoa, what's what's going on? Not only do you notice the fangs, but there is a significant lack of blood. Now, granted, with an impaled object, you're probably not going to get a lot until you remove it. But even still, you'd expect to see something. Right. So, yeah, I think I'm just going to kind of back up against the door away from Michael and just like, uh, what's going on? Did the branch hit my heart? Clipped it. Oh, lucky. I'm going to try to remove it. Roll me a volatile. Oh. A six. You can already feel your newly begotten strength draining from you as this thing has sapped you. Okay. (laughs) And as you look beyond the shattered windshield where this branch protrudes out of, you see the outline of that hooded figure. A light, dim, like a candle or lantern, seems to float near the figure, and it moves as the individual circles to the driver's side of the car. I'm going to try to, even though this figure is coming towards us, like, get their attention. Like, hey, we need help. Hey, can you help us out? Like, hey, we're, we're in here. The driver's side door is grasped and wrenched off the vehicle like somebody just applied the jaws of life. Sound of twisting metal screeches as they toss it. Whoa. I'm going to like try to like crane down and like see like what is going on. The individual's heavy hood obscures any features of the very ambiguous shape of a face underneath. You're not even certain that this individual has features to see as looking into that shadow is like peering into the darkest void you've ever experienced. Abomination, your end has come. Bert hasn't like seen that void, but like seen traces of it in his mother. It's kind of just like, who, who are you? What's abomination? What do you mean? Are you here to help? I do not help. I do not harm. I am simply inevitable. I am here for this one. Your time has been extended unnaturally and I will rectify it. Michael will reach out to Bert, pleadingly for help, like grab at his arm, weakly. Bert kind of pulls away a little bit at first, just seeing the fangs and the bloodlessness and like, not sure what what all that means. And then I'm going to kind of lean in and I'm, there's got to be another way. We, we're still young. Like you can't just, I don't know who, what you are or what you want, but 
we're we're okay. Just help us, you know, to the hospital, or we can walk away. We're not we're not finished yet. This one was finished some time ago. I am simply here to correct the cycle of life and death. He hasn't done anything wrong. He he's okay. He's he's here. He's still got. I can. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Who, who are you? I am the inevitable end. I am death incarnate, and it is time for you. Looking to Michael. To end your unnatural life. And they reach out with a gloved, but no less thin and skeletal hand. I'm going to try to gently put Michael's weight closer to me rather than towards it. I, I, I can't. I, you, you can't. You can't. I, you've already taken so much from me. I can't let you take anything else. Like, he's he's fine. He's moving. He's His eyes are fluttering. He, he's still got a little bit in him. Like, just not now. Your pleas mean nothing. I'm not pleading. I'm just asking you just to... We're okay. We, we made it. We survived. It's it's all right. It's just let, let us go. Please, please. I can still live. He is neither alive nor dead. I am alive. He is in between. I am weak. And I will usher him to death. Let me go, please. I've done nothing wrong for me. I've done research in this area. There's apparently there's a lot of different creatures stuck between. So what if we struck up some sort of deal, you and I? Death hesitates. And what do you have to offer? You you let us go and I will help take care of some of these uh, abominations for you. My services, as limited as my skills are, I've researched other and heard rumors of other abominations so you let us go and i will help get rid of them even the playing field the balance i don't, I don't know how this works but there's got to be some way that i can do something to appease the balance of the cycle you would commit yourself to my service if i allow this one's existence to continue uh, yeah i i don't i don't see what other option we have but i don't this can't be the end. We can't be done. Not now. Instead of reaching for Michael, it reaches with its hand toward you, Bert. For every year that you commit to my service, I will allow this creature to continue for ten. Okay. And I think I, like, weakly reach out to, like, shake its hand. As you grasp that frail, leather-covered hand, there is a cold shock that ripples up your arm and strikes right at your heart. It's like you get brain fees right in the chest. Very well. They release your hand, grasp the branch, pinning Michael to the seat, rips it out and back through the window before digging their fingers into Michael's chest. And there is a popping and cracking as Michael's body reinflates and corrects itself. And as a last flourish, the personification of death extends a business card. Monday morning, 
I like weakly, like reach out and grab it. Okay, where? When you look up from the card, the figure and the light have vanished. Okay, so I just kind of look up like, wait, what do I, what do I do? And then I think I pass out. Well, okay then, shit. Uh. And then Michael, I guess, will call the police and get Bert taken home and make sure that card is stuffed in his pocket and never talk about this again until he has to. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, stalk his uh, good friend to make sure he never dies. Very good. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of All Our Faults. Before you go, I would like to put out a couple of shout-outs and thank yous. First and foremost, a huge thank you to Tabletop Tailspinners Network for taking the chance on us and sharing the resources needed to produce this. Especially the director, Emma Kokar, who dedicates her valuable time to doing the rough edits for these episodes. We love you and we appreciate you. A shout out to our wonderful cast. In this particular episode, we had Juicy Garland, who can be found at most social media sites, at Juicy Garland. And Ben can be found on Instagram, at the underscore blindian1. You can find me, Mistress Winter, on most social media sites, at gmistresswinter. A super special thank you to Zach and Nicole Tuttle-Rob from Ghostlight Media for your graciousness in allowing me to pester you with questions on how to produce a Monster Hearts podcast. You, your cast, and your show are an inspiration. Finally, a shout out to the musical artists who work hard to create amazing scores and allow us to use them. They are truly the unsung or unorchestrated heroes of my gaming tables. They are credited in the show notes and I heavily encourage you to support them if you are able so that they can continue to do the good work. If you would like to support this show or the Tabletop Tailspinners Network, we have a link tree in the description that includes a Ko-Fi site. Buy us a cup of coffee or donate some digital pocket change so we can keep these productions going. Thank you again, and we will see you next episode. This has been a tale from the Tabletop Tailspinners Network.